This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Hello and welcome to the Behold podcast. If it sounds like today we are on Zoom, that's because we are. We are joined from a a real guest here. So it's me and and Dan, as usual, dynamic duo here. But today we're joined from the far lands over the hills called Tracy. A magical far off land. (laughs) Mr. Fat Smith. What's up, Pat? Some call it the wilderness. Yes, yes. Pat, how are we doing? How, how How are you feeling today? Good day today. Nice. Good day. Nice, cool morning. Able to, to be outside for a little bit. Enjoy some nice coffee, which is always good, and uh, set for the day. And you woke up early and went to Reveille today. I saw you there, and you shared your, did. shared your story with Jesus, and that was really powerful. So shout out to all the men that came out to Reveille. Um, another fun, fun thing about Pat Smith that you might not know is he and Sheila have a have a really big heart for, um, for ministry to homeless individuals. And I understand, uh, over the years you've, you've done a lot of work. Um, and in fact, you have a a homeless couple living with you guys right now. Is that, is that true? (laughs) We open our doors. Dragged off the street. To many, (laughs) to, to many, many people. We don't, uh, discriminate as far as background, even if they have, uh, toiled in, in church ministry for their lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, Gary and Val Darnell are living with Pat and Sheila Smith right now um, as a kind of a pit stop on their way to Alaska. So how's that been, Pat? You've been enjoying that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just uh, imagine having a, a brother and sister in Christ with you uh, whenever you want to to talk, laugh, uh, share. And it's just been uh been phenomenal. Love it. That's great. And now, any in 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 recent years, Gary has pretended to not play golf anymore. So, is is it really? Does he has he really hung up his cleats, or have you guys been sneaking in some uh, some rounds? Man, I signed a non disclosure agreement <laughs> when he moved in. So there's really my hands are tied as far as what I can say. Wow. Um, can can I say that uh, there was a sighting at a, at a local golf course? Yes, I, I can talk about that, <laughs> that rumor. And usually there's a basis of fact for the rumor. So, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. Might have snuck out there, uh, the, the two of us, for that. Well, thanks for the invite. Appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, great to We're have you We're in the wilderness. You can't, you can't get all the way over here before the tea time. That's it's true. It's tough. That's true. Well, it's great to have you with us, Pat. Yeah, love it. All right, so we are talking about our new bodies, which I'm sure you're looking forward to, Pat. No offense. Man, I'm I, and I'm closer to it than y'all. Uh, That's what I'm if, saying. If, if chronology is, has anything to do with it, uh, oh boy, you know, I'm I'm looking for it. Man, Charlie, uh, Charlie called out uh, people in your age range on Sunday. He straight up called you guys oldies. Yeah, thought, it's interesting, was... and yet he's the first guy to talk about the pains in his knees at 40 years old. I don't get it. Yeah. It's not the years, <laughs> it's the miles, Pat. That's right. It's probably being like 20 feet tall is what gets those kneecaps. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if you've been tracking with us, you know we're in this teaching series on Sundays called Resurrection Life, 
we've gone through chapters three and four, and now we're in chapter five of Second Corinthians, and Paul opens up with this this amazing encouragement of he just finished talking about how we don't lose heart. You know, we're going through hard things, but we know that those hard things are preparing us for. He calls it an eternal weight of glory at the end of chapter four. And now he opens up chapter five saying four, you know, four, we know that we have this earthly tent that may be destroyed, but we have a dwelling that is coming that can never be destroyed. And along with that, we have perfected new bodies. And so on Sunday, we spent a long time talking about why our new bodies and the reality of that should really influence and kind of dictate the way we process a lot of life, you know, hard things, happy things. And it kind of all revolved around this theme of, you know, on a heart level, where are we at? You know, what are we, how are we processing the things we're going through? What are we looking forward to? This word groaning keeps coming up. Um, So we're going to dig into that today a little bit. So maybe right off the bat, what are some of the first things that as you guys are processing what we looked at in in chapter five, verses one through five, that stuck with you as some takeaways and some kind of processing type questions? Well, you know, the the first thing that that I thought of, and really from chapter four into this passage in chapter five, is following our earlier series on heaven, where it really just kind of wet my appetite the reality after I die. And now there's even a cl- more clear picture of, of that body and what's going to be happening there. And it just makes me more excited for what is, for what is coming. And I can get the sense of what Paul is talking about. And uh, all kidding aside, uh, it's not something that I really latched on to as a new believer, because there was so much that I was dealing with of clearing out my old life and, and what's the next thing to do and uh, what's God's will for me. And, and now with a lot of that uh, settled, man, there's this whole other part to look forward to and, uh, and the influence on my life now. It's almost like a different influence on my life now or an additional, I hate to say different, but an additional influence on what I do today. Yeah, I really, I really relate to that, Pat. I remember, you know, just even ten years ago or so, you know, being being newlywed, being a, a, just thinking about kind of the the life on this side of eternity that that laid ahead. And if I'm if I was honest during that time, I didn't have a lot of anticipation for the life to come because there was things I wanted to experience here, you know? And I think as, as just, um, God has done a, a sanctifying maturing work in me and Emily. And as we've gone through hardships and started to taste, you know, just this, the heaviness and weight, I think as you get older, like you realize, okay, like there's a lot of messed up stuff happening in the world. Like your eyes open up to a little bit more of the, of the chaos and, and evil in the world. And so you long for, for heaven even more. And, um, you know, I think that is a newer thing for me, I would say in the last couple of years as well. So I definitely relate to that. And, and maybe those listening at home do as well. Yeah. Which I think Paul really kind of is, is speaking to that, um, that, status of life, you know, as, as Christians living in this broken world, he's really speaking to that in the fact that, man, we have this, this earthly home, this tent that, that it's a house 
that is imperfect, you know? And I think it's really easy. We've talked about this a lot on Behold before, but I think as we are processing and going through that kind of mentality and and that reality that, man, there's a lot of hard stuff. There's a lot of hurt out there. There's a lot of brokenness out there, you know, and just things that you want to see different as we look at what God has promised. It's, it's kind of a fork in the road. And I think Paul is kind of speaking to it of how we process and what our, what our focus is in that, you know, and he uses that word groaning that, Hey, as we're in this tent, we groan, but he kind of qualifies what that groaning is supposed to be like, because I think if he left it at that and he just said, Hey guys, the world's broken, you should groan. I think 99.9% of us would be like, sweet, nailed it. I'm groaning, you know, because groaning is a natural response to hardship and hurt. It just is. But Paul qualifies that in that we're not just meant to groan, we're groaning out of a longing for our heavenly dwelling. I think that's really key here is that I think for all of us and myself, and I do this a lot, is it's so easy to groan, but the focus of that is our tent. You know, the focus of my groaning is, man, this tent stinks. Or the focus is, man, I wish this tent wasn't like this in this specific way or whatever issue you want to insert for that, you know. But Paul's qualifying it and saying, no, you need to be groaning, but you should be groaning, longing for your new place, longing for your dwelling. And I think that's what I catch myself oftentimes missing as I'm going through some of these hard things in life is, man, my mind is just in the gutter of, I get so focused on, man, I wish this political debate wasn't happening, or I wish this war wasn't happening, or I wish this pain wasn't happening in this person that I love or whatever, instead of this groaning that's, Jesus, I can't wait to be with you. Like, God, I just want you to be in your restored perfect world. And I think as we do that, a lot of things happen, which we'll probably get into today. But I just think about the people around us who are watching us go through life, you know, like that, that difference, those two forks in the road makes or breaks, whether or not they're seeing the face of Jesus in our groaning, or if they're seeing us just being whining like the rest of the world, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think this really throws back to our series in heaven and what, what is the, the, the main thing that makes the main quality of heaven that makes it so awesome and great. It's God himself in his presence being there and us being able to walk with him face to face without any, you know, distractions of sin, no barriers of time, no um, limitations in terms of energy or focus. And so when you, when we talk about um, looking forward and, and that groaning that we are meant to have about our, our earthly dwelling versus our heavenly dwelling, the, the chief thing we see here is another reminder is in, in, in verse one of, of chapter five, it, we have a building from God. So that's like the chief qualifier of like why these new bodies are so great is because they're from God. And everything about our reality that we have um, to look forward to in heaven is is with God at the center, right? And um, <clears throat> I don't know, what, what, is that, what does that stir in, in you, Pat, as you hear that? Um, well, one thing, just so we don't get uh, accused of uh, ripping something out of uh, context, we want to make sure that we know, you know, leading up to this, Paul was talking about the suffering that he was going through and others as they were giving the gospel. And, uh, and, and, and it's an easy uh, and a small step over to say, well, the suffering that he was going through and how he looked at it 
is the same way that we should look at suffering regardless of, of what it is. But the context is he's talking about that. And when you think of the suffering that he went through and how horrific it was, he didn't uh, turn his, his groaning for the future didn't turn into grumbling of the present. And, and I think that's where I can, as Sean was saying, and I can fall into that sometime again and fixated on what's in front of me. And the more real that this becomes, and we see what the source of it is uh, from, from God, then that can pull our, our mind out of our present and, uh, and put it onto the future so that that is how our current suffering, whether it's because we're, we're giving the gospel or whether it's just a, a, a suffering that we're going through bodily or otherwise, we can look at this as a light momentary affliction, uh, because in, when I first read that in Paul, it's, and, and if I went to say that to somebody that's suffering and say, hey, you know what? This is really just a light momentary affliction. Uh, it, without having that real anchor into heaven in the future, that really falls short and empty on people that are suffering here. So it's so important to be able to uh, understand this uh, quality of, of body that we're going to have in this time with with the Lord, because only as we understand that more and more do our issues here become less and less. So some, something that I've um, enjoyed and, and worked on since that Heaven series is, is this so that my issues really become, uh, get, I get perspective on it. Yeah, it's, that's so good. And it's kind of sneaky sometimes, you know, how that line can get crossed. And you know, a lot of times we're not talking necessarily about anyone like sinning. I guess it could turn into that, but it's more of just a perspective thing and an attitude thing. And, you know, I've even been thinking recently about, you know, us shepherds at Valley Bible Church, what we've been saying or doing on Sunday mornings recently. And I've just caught myself, you know, we'll say almost every Sunday something like this of like, Hey, I know a lot of us have had difficult weeks or trying weeks or hard weeks kind of thing, you know, let's give it to the Lord. And I've just gone back through a few Sundays and kind of like try to take count of how many things we say about that versus just straight encouragements about heaven, you know, and I've, the, the balance is shifting a little bit in a way that I don't really love, at least for myself sometimes. And it's almost like, I think of it a little bit like, have you ever been like with your spouses, you're both married this has happened a couple of times. I can remember with Patty where she'll be like, are you uh, upset? And I'm like, no, she'll be like, but are you upset? You seem upset. I'm like, no, I'm not upset. Like you seem upset. Okay. Now I'm mad. Stop it. You know what I mean? And sometimes our repetition of certain themes can really influence the way that we process things and think things, you know? So I've kind of challenged myself to, of course, you don't want to be naive or anything like that and still bring things before the Lord, but just emphasize a little bit less you know, the hard week part, a little emphasize a little bit less the broken world part. And just from my own heart, emphasize a bit more just the beauty of God himself without that kind of disclaimer of, I know the world's broken, but God, you're amazing. And instead just going straight to God, thank you that we have eternity coming. God, thank you that you're amazing. And yeah, I don't know, it's been healthy for me. And again, we're talking about sinful attitudes necessarily, but just kind of, um, yeah, just confusing ones or, or skewed ones that kind of make us miss a little bit, I think, of what God's intending to work in our hearts in this process that we see in, from Paul in Second Corinthians. Yeah, I, I think the hard part for me is going through everyday life or, or difficult parts of my life and holding in two hands 
my situation. One is I'm an emotional being and I'm, I'm a thoughtful uh, being. So I get attached to these worldly things, but I'm also spiritual and I know truth. I know spiritual truth. So that perspective, I know uh, I I can have and, and really I should have because we're going to see in the next verse as we go through uh, 6 through 10. He says, so so we're of, of good courage. And, and that's the assumption that we are. <laughs> not, not like, hey, this is a good idea. No, we, we are because of all the things that he, he talked about beforehand. So how do I walk with that, that pain and hurt on the one hand, but still acknowledging uh, and focusing, I think, to your point, Sean, more on the fact of, of the benefits of, of my relationship with Christ here and the promise in the future that I have a, a down payment and a guarantee from, from the Spirit that should give me all the confidence, that should be being the operative word, but all the confidence that, that I need for yeah. that. No, I, that's something that I, I definitely was was just thinking through as I was listening to Charlie on Sundays. I, I think definitely when we think about um, the the inheritance that we have in, in heaven, and, and specifically as we think about, you know, ditching these temporary dwelling tents and, and getting to a, a building, a building made by God um, that's eternal— it definitely should get us excited for that future and it should give us strength to endure suffering. But also <clears throat> what what I was really just pondering was, shouldn't it give us vision for how we, we live and work and cultivate and, and just love people here and now, you know, we, we've yeah. talked about in, in, in recent months about hastening the kingdoms come by, you know, in, by basically living lives and, and cultivating communities that are little outposts of, of God's kingdom, little little camps of heaven, um, you know, and, and how God's word tells us that if we do that, we're going to hasten the, the, the coming of God's kingdom. And so, you know, I was I was just thinking just about what that what that looks like, you know, in, in our relationships, what that looks like in how we share our faith, you know, what that looks like in um, our prayer lives, right? Jesus instructs us, this is how you are to pray. Um, My Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we pray asking for God to do whatever it takes in circumstances and in nations and in people's hearts and you know, all throughout our area and all throughout our world, do we pray and, and ask God, do whatever it takes, whatever has to be done so that people will hallow your name, so people will honor and fear and respect your name and worship you. Um, God, we want to see your kingdom come uh, in our church. And and as that happens, as we learn to, to, to love each other and edify each other um, as citizens of your kingdom, first and foremost, God, will you let that spread out into our communities and and into our into the East Bay and all throughout the world? And so, I don't know. <clears throat> I think that's a really important conversation when we think about heaven because it's really easy to get the excitement thing down and to get the okay. I can endure my 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 pain and my suffering and the brokenness of the world right now because I'm excited about what's to come. But then I think we we can stop right there and then we fall short rather than saying okay. What can I do now to experience more of God's kingdom 
on this earth. And so what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I love that you mentioned that, that like hastening the coming of the day of God, you know. I, I was reading that recently. It's at least the one I'm reading. Maybe you have a different one. It's 2 Peter 3 is where he's talking mm-hmm, about that. And mm-hmm. I think verse 10 or 11 or something, he's saying, man, just, you know, don't forget the day of judgment is coming and God's going to destroy everything here. You know, like it, it is coming for you. And so what do you do because of that? You know, like you, 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 you live in a way where exactly you're, you're waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And that word for hastening that is used is um, speed. Now I'm forgetting speedodontist, I think something like that. But anyways, you know, it has, has two meanings. One of them is literally just hasten. And the other one, which I think a lot of people, all scholars suggest is what's being used here is not the literal hastening of, but your, your uncontrollable desire for it to be hastened. You know, you wish it would come right now type of thing. And it's such like an actionable type of, of description that it's not separated from the way you live. You know, which I think is what you're getting to, Dan, is like, it's one thing to just be excited about something, but if you really have that uncontainable wish that it would come any day now, it's going to influence your attitude. It's going to influence the way you live and do everything around you. You know, it makes me think about the period of life when Patty and I were engaged, you know, and you've both been through that season as well. It's like we were engaged for four months, which for some people is a long time. It could have been way less than that. You know, I was so ready to be married. And so it really informed and changed that whole season, those four months of life. Almost every single day, what I was doing was working towards that wedding, that marriage with Patty. You know, there's planning to be done. There is serving to be done. There, there's growth and character type stuff for myself to be done. You know, we're being intentional because we are anticipating, we're waiting for, and we're trying to hasten on a on a just uncontrollable level in our in our hearts, hasten the day of my wedding. And we know that in that same way, I guess, we're we're looking forward towards our wedding with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking forward towards this union with Christ. And so how are we preparing for our wedding? You know, if we know it's coming and we're not doing anything towards it, like what is that? What are we doing? It makes me think of those couples, you know, I'm sorry if this is you. It, those couples who, you know, they get engaged and then they're in, they're engaged for like four years, you know, and they're not taking any steps towards their wedding as they're going by and, I, you know, to each their own. But for me, I'm just like, you're missing out, man. Like, how are you not trying to work towards this and delighting in what's coming for you? You know, and I think it's a similar type of thing that, that is intended for us in this world until we're back with Jesus. Okay. Disclaimer. I was engaged for 18 months only because there was not an available church. Okay. So don't don't hold that uh, against me. Hey, you guys could have uh, gone. You could have got. You guys gone to the Chapel of Love in Vegas. I'm gonna have to that. dig into you more about that later. No, no church <laughs> yeah. for a year and a half. We'll we'll we'll, yeah. we'll inter- interrogate you later about that. Yeah, we'll talk. Would you guys uh, get married in a pandemic or something? <laughs> no, I would have gone to the church office for that. <laughs> Desperate times. Uh, you know the the we, we just mentioned. Uh, about how this affects our our life now, and we're talking about this with with such uh, joy that we're looking forward to. And so, one of the ways that it has to, and that's an imperative, it has to affect us now. If we truly understand this, how can we let others that we care about, or even that we meet, walk and not? Uh, realize that they, others need to know this and they need to come. Mm-hmm. And so how does this not inspire us to share this picture 
with with others. And and obviously, I don't want to paint a picture of heaven and have people say, yeah, it's a better place. And so now we say they have a relationship with Christ. That's not that's not it. But it should absolutely be a motivation for us to share the gospel with the people that, that God puts in, in our life and overcome that fear and maybe taste some of that American suffering, mm. you know, of, of sharing the, the gospel. Certainly not what Paul went through, but uh, what we in the church, I think we could safely say is the biggest fear of when we're a Christian is sharing the gospel. Because if we are just talking to somebody the other day, if we are bold to share the gospel, how are we not bold to live the rest of the parts of our life? And again, that, that comes from that Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 6 that we're going to get to this week. Uh, so we're of good courage. Uh, we, we share the gospel boldly. There's, there's really not much else that we're not going to be bold in or not be able to, mm. to be bold in. So the, the here and now, I think, has to be the motivation to share. Yeah, yeah. well, and I, and I think it, it could be something as simple as, <clears throat> man, I, I, I think somebody shared in the prayer room yesterday that they just, <clears throat> um, God just compelled them to go ask their neighbor if, uh, if, if she could pray for her. And the neighbor was like, yes, I would love that. that. That'd be so amazing. And then this person like, you know, went to like put her hand on her shoulder and she was like, Oh, you're, you're going to pray now, you know? <laughs> and, and, uh, the neighbor was, was, it, it was, it was, uh, shocking in a good way. Um, and it was a really powerful moment where she was able to, to pray and, and it opened up an incredible opportunity to, you know, just to share, share her faith. Um, or, or even just asking people, you know, Hey, what do you, what do you think happens to people when they die? <laughs> You know, just it, it doesn't have to be this, you know, stand on the soapbox and preach preaching the gospel. I mean, it, it, more power to you if that's what God's calling you to do. But a lot of times there are these kind of, um, you know, tactful ways that we can kind of get into it. And and just starting small by asking a question, um, you know, hey, can I pray for you? Or uh, And then do it right then, pray, pray with them. I, I mean, that can have a profound impact on people. Yeah. And I think in addition to that too, like it may be really specifically for this chunk of, of scripture is, I don't know about you, but people are groaning around me all the time. Like my friends are always groaning about stuff. <laughs> like my group texts are filled with things about stuff with politics, stuff about culture, stuff about, you know, our, our relationships and all this kind of stuff. People are always groaning. And I think that our groaning in a biblical way does exactly that too. It really is is like a, a shocker to some people and points towards God. And it makes me think of verse, sorry, chapter four, we already went through of Second Corinthians, where he says, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I think this is part of that is, is we have an opportunity to be kind of that like, that like pure note amongst the static noise of grumbling, you know, mm-hmm. of, Hey, we're grumbling for our, our heavenly dwelling. And so maybe what that looks like for you is, you know, someone comes to you, Hey, did you hear about this political thing? And you have a quick opportunity there to say, 
I did, and I'm looking forward to heaven with God. We don't have to deal with that, you know? And that could be the little opening for that conversation that Dan was describing. So, yeah, it doesn't always, like he's saying, have to be this huge thing. And, in fact, it shouldn't always be that way. It should, in, in one sense, be the most natural thing to us if we're really motivated out of this, this, this uncontainable excitement for what's coming for us. Yeah, and I think, I think we should probably get into a discussion just about how Charlie ended in, in verse five, just about talking about how God has given us his spirit as a guarantee. And we have, we've gone a lot over this. Um, when staff were doing a summer study on the Holy spirit and just the role that he takes in, in the lives of, of believers. And, and one of the, one of the things that he loves to do in us is to, take the promises and the teachings of Jesus um, and the presence of Jesus and, and just the power of Christ. Like he, he takes all of those things and makes them tangible. He makes them real to us so that we can experience um, Jesus, you know, in, in, in a very real way. And um, I, I can't think of any time I ever shared my faith with somebody having not been prompted by the Holy Spirit first. Right. You know, I mean, how many times do we, do we just, we're, we're just out living our life, you know, walking in step with the spirit, um, setting our mind on things of the spirit, abiding in, in Christ and his, and his word abiding in us. We're just living our life, doing our thing. And then all of a sudden the spirit says, hey, go talk to that person, you know, or the spirit says, you know, pricks our heart and just says, hey, ask that question or, um, you know, or, or whatever. Um, and so, I love this idea um, that we see in verse five that um, he who has prepared us for this very thing that we're talking about has given us the spirit as a guarantee. And um, we just think about what what is that? What does that guarantee do for us? What is the indwelling of God's spirit within us? How does it um, help us to groan in the right way? and to um, have the, the right perspective. What, what do you guys think? I think when we look at, at that verse 5, and we go right back to 4, just before it, and he says, uh, as he talks about the, the groaning, uh, he says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life, right? So we're going to have that eternal life. What, what we're going through now is going to be just enveloped in our, uh, in our new body and, and eternal life. And that's, that's what's being prepared for us, right? And the way that in that preparation, the way that we go through this current life is the, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the guarantee. It's how we can build our sacred history as we go through those different points, as you were talking about, Dan, of hearing, uh, you know, what the Spirit is wanting us to do, responding and building that confidence uh, over time, building that relationship with, with Christ. And we get the, the confidence that he is there. We'll go on to, to see again that we... Uh, we have faith in things that are unseen, and uh, and we don't we don't look to the things that are that are seen, and that's the the unseen is what the the spirit has given us that glimpse of uh, in our in our current life that this is going to be so much more in the future. So that's constantly a source of uh, 
I hate to say optimism, <laughs> but I, I think we, we would use the word that, that uh, Christian hope, the things that we are certain of that just haven't uh, come yet. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. Yeah, I think about, I'm so glad you mentioned that the Spirit takes the things of Jesus and, and declares them to us. And man, if you're if you're listening to this and you're curious about the Spirit's work, you know, go read that. That's from John 16. Read that. Read John 14. In both those places are where Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit to his his disciples. And it's just so interesting because I was thinking about what you were just saying, Dan, of like, hey, you know, I've never shared the, the my, my testimony and not been prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I would say the same thing. But some some of you might be listening and you're like, oh, I, I haven't experienced that. I'm not sure what you mean by that. But even, you know, if you've ever been sitting and you remember a Bible verse, you know, you remember a scripture saying, hey, go and make disciples of all the nations. That's the Holy Spirit's work. John 14 says that, that the Holy, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will rem- bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, when we recall God's word, that's the Spirit working in us. And the purpose for that, as said in John 14 and John 16 in Roman and other places, is to glorify Jesus. It's to share this inheritance. And it's implied, you know, I love the, the, the guarantee word. I forget the name of that too. Arabone or something like that. But the Greek for that is it's it's down payment. It literally means that the Holy Spirit is a down payment of this inheritance that's to come. I'm just trying to think through this analogy. You know, we're taking some stretches here, some liberties, but earlier we were talking before the podcast about, you know, say we had this wealthy, amazing uncle, you know, who bestowed this inheritance upon us that was not just money. I think sometimes with our, with our culture, especially in current Western society, we think of inheritance and it's hard not to picture this kind of spoiled rich brat type of picture, you know, because we've just seen that in in movies or in culture or in the economy or whatever, you know. But let's think back, you know, 2,000 years ago where inheritance was not this kind of corrupted picture it is now. It's instead this this it's it's this this life's work that you're giving to your your son. You know, you're 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 giving them everything that you've worked for, you know, and, and you desire for them, obviously, the best you desire for them to utilize this for their own life, you know, and then build that inheritance for their anyways, you get the point. So in this picture of inheritance, you know, if someone had this inheritance, that's the most amazing thing in the world, that's literally eternal life, you know. And told you, as God has told us, man, be a light and tell everyone about this inheritance because it's not just available to you, it's to everybody. And then God said, here's the best part. I'm going to give you a piece of that inheritance now. I'm going to give you a down payment and you can use that down payment Hmm. to get that inheritance for other people. You know, how crazy would it be for us to not to participate in that, to not use our down payment for the benefit of those around us to share in this amazing, wonderful inheritance that we've been given. And yet it's so easy for, for all of us in the midst of our busy lives and everything going on around us to, to, to forget that that's our charge, you know, to forget that we are supposed to be digging into our inheritance of the Holy Spirit so that we can glorify Jesus and mm-hmm. spread that inheritance. So man, let that be a, maybe a convict, a convicting thing or an encouraging thing, depending on where you're at with that. Yeah. And I think a parallel passage to check out is Ephesians chapter one, 11 through 14. And the, the, the section starts off you know, before that, just this really beautiful, you know, doxology kind of praise thing. You know, Paul says, you know, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus. And 
he talks about all these amazing things that God has done. You know, he, he before the foundation of the world, he, he chose us to be blameless in him. You know, he, he poured out his glorious love and grace and he blessed us and he calls us beloved and he's lavished on us his grace and he's made known to us the mystery of his will. I mean, it's just all this amazing, beautiful, poetic, worshipful language. And then in verse 11, he says, in him, in, in this triune God, we have obtained an inheritance so that in verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then he goes on and talks about this idea of, of the spirit being our guarantee of that inheritance until we acquire possession of it. And then again, he re reiterates in 14 to the praise of his glory. And so, yeah, I, I just think, man, it would be really helpful for us to just kind of, yeah, just use our imaginations and just say, yeah, if I was promised this inheritance and if I was given this um, down payment and this charge to be a good steward of that inheritance, right? I don't want to, I don't want to be like the prodigal son who, 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 who gave away and, 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 for, you know, just totally frivolously spent his inheritance. I want to be a, a good steward. I want to use that inheritance for what it was, what it was designed for, what it was meant for. Um, and so I think it's a good thought experiment for us. You know, how are we, how are we going to invest our time? How are we going to invest our resources? Um, you know, and, and I think, I, I think sometimes we, um, I don't know, like when it comes to, to investments, you know, whether it's your 401k or whatever fund you're interested in, you know, I think we can be aggressive and, or we, or we can be conservative, right? We can kind of like really risk it for the biscuit or we can just kind of sit on the nest egg and just let it grow. And I think we have to remember that this is an eternal inheritance. In, in what Charlie said, like qualitatively, like this, this is a different kind of inheritance than what you might get from your rich uncle. And then also quality, you know, qualitatively, uh, quantitatively, right? It, this is the 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 promises of God are 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 forever and ever. You know, like we're never going to run out of years or time or or praise, right? When we when we get on the other side of eternity, and so let's not be um, conservative and fearful. Um, let's not be like the the servant who buried his his uh, you know investment in the ground because he was afraid. Let's be bold and and confident and and know that this this inheritance is forever. I can't help but give a little bit of a spoiler alert. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're in this resurrection life series, which has been so great, and we're ending that at the end of June, and then we're jumping into our next series, which don't tell anyone I told you this if you're listening out there. But we're gonna be in the book of Daniel. And I think it's such a, a fitting thing for what we're talking about. Because in one way, you know, Daniel didn't have the benefit that we have of the Holy Spirit, you know, to guide him through this stuff. But another way, you look at the life of Daniel, and it's this amazing journey of someone who lived in a a, a more broken country than ours in some ways. You know, he lived in, in the land of his enemies, and yet he is a faithful servant clinging to God's sovereignty throughout. So that's what this series is called. It's called Daniel, a faithful servant of a sovereign God. I think there's going to be a lot of really awesome parallels and lessons for us 
of how we can be faithful servants to a sovereign God right now and everything we're going through. And as we do that, exactly what Dan's talking about, you know, be good stewards of this inheritance and let that be really the, the, the motivator for what we're doing in all things. In, in clarification, he didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yes, he had the Holy Spirit to guide him, but he didn't have the yes. indwelling. Thank you for clarifying. And that's why we bring you on the show, Matt, <laughs> you know, to keep us on the rails. <laughs> and you'll cut that, I know. Second uh, Corinthians 4.15, right? He says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving, and Sean, you said, to the glory of, of God, right? So it's meant to to be extended to more and more people and just this continuing, ongoing thing, this gift that, that we have, we just continue to, to give it away. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. And I, one last thing I get, I'm thinking about just as we're landing this plane is, you know, I, recently I've been talking about, and you, you've been talking about, Dan, a lot of us have been just focusing on you know, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And there's so many benefits of that, you know, the, his, his guidance, you know, his comfort. And we, we think about this word, you know, intimacy a lot, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I'm just reminded right now as reading this, that man, intimacy with the Holy Spirit is not the end. You know, it's a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful part of our inheritance, but it's not enough if we're not doing that process of sharing it with the world. So I'm convicted right now of just, man, I want to have balance in how we're, we're pursuing these things of Christ and that, yeah, man, he is so kind to give us that inheritance. He's so kind to let us experience closeness and his presence like we never could before because of the indwelling. But if we're not utilizing that and letting that be what motivates our, our spreading and being a light of his good news, then again, we're just being poor stewards of the inheritance. So something to chew on. And, and don't you love it? You know, the, the scripture, when we, when we read it, something is as simple that Jesus said of uh, love God and love others. And you think, oh, okay. And, and it's almost like a, a trap. You know, the more that we love God, we can't help but love other people. We can't help but telling others about this relationship that we have with, with God. And as we do that and share with others, we get encouraged and it just fuels our love for the Lord more. And it's just this uh, ever-increasing type of uh, cycle that uh, is just phenomenal. Mm. Amen. 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 Yeah, the love of Christ is like uh, kingdom spreading for dummies. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. it just reminds me of, uh, you know, we memorized John 15 on staff and Gary kept saying this, that, Verse nine of that was so pivotal for him. And that was the most, most wow verse of that section, which is as Jesus talking, he's saying, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you abide in my love. Hmm. And Gary said, at the end of the day, it's as simple as that. And all the other things that we'll spend months evaluating and, and digging into and studying the Greek and the Hebrew about, they're all beautiful things, but they're all natural responses and symptoms of abiding in the love of Christ. So... Kind of makes it simple for us, doesn't it? Keep it simple, saints. Nice. <laughs> that was so cheesy, dude. I don't know if I can handle that. Uh, it's in there. Too late. <laughs> it's spent. All right, y'all. We hope that you have been uh, just stimulated and encouraged, you know, and that you're digging into right now in your mind and heart some of these realities of this inheritance we have. And I'll ask you as we're signing off here, what are you groaning for this week? You know? 
Are you groaning about these physical scene things, your money, politics, rent, mortgage, whatever it is? Or are you groaning out of a longing for the unseen of what's what's been promised to us in our new dwelling? Chew on that. Ask for the Holy Spirit to help you pray through that and, and use it to be a light. And uh, I can't sign off without giving a plug and encouragement to do all the things we just talked about with us together tomorrow night at Extol. We're going to be praying together, worshiping together. We're going to be inviting the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts together. And yeah, just going to be a grand old time praising our living God together. Anything you want to add, Dan? I just want to say come, but don't come alone. Bring a friend or a gaggle of friends. Let's just pack the place out, you know. Um, Let's gather together in his name and and just bring bring our request before him and and as we just talked about give him all the praise and all the glory uh there's there's a lot of things going on in 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 life that we could be doing uh worthwhile things but but this this it should be right at the top of our list um so prioritize it do whatever you can to get there um it's going to be a great night man Pat, all the way from Tracy, thanks for joining us. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening, thank you for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow at Extol, Sunday at church as we worship together, and then, of course, next week for Behold Again. Thanks, guys. Good guys show Sunday. Oh, what a <laughs> last-minute plug. I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's right. Under the wire. You're preaching at the you're preaching at the good guys yeah, car show, right? I am. That's awesome. I am. Yeah, I'll be doing okay. the same message that Charlie's doing at Pleasanton, so you don't have to go to uh, the Crossing Campus. You can go oh, to the good guys. You'll hear the same message. Or hey, could be some great. Don't, oh. don't don't tell Charlie that Pat said that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That <laughs> could be some great opportunities to to talk to unbelievers there, and um, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, Pat. Well. Um, Keep an eye on those vagabonds that are living with you. You know, make sure that make sure you keep a, a tight rein on all the valuables in the house and stuff. You know, you got it. they got sticky fingers. I heard, especially like your sermon notes. Make sure your sermon notes are kept in a safe place. Forget Protected. the sermon notes. Watch your like crackers and cookies. I don't think they have processed foods in in Soldotna, Alaska. <laughs> Just a halibut. That's all. Oh boy. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week for Behold. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.